0: Women Taking the Lead, episode 191.
1: You know, go ask for help. There are
0: more kind people in the world than you know. Hello, my name is Jody Flynn and welcome to Women Taking the Lead, where we are all about creating blasts of inspiration to help you overcome self-doubt so you can lead with confidence, integrity, and a sense of humor. Head over to womentakingthelead.com to join the community and get the resources to support you on your leadership journey. Now, your future awaits so let's get started. Your website tells a story about your business. At Zebra Love Web Solutions, Millie and her team are going to make sure your website tells the story you want your customers to hear. Connect with Millie at zebralovewebsolutions.com to create the impression you want to make. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. I'm here with Libby Gill, and after nearly 20 years in senior leadership roles in communications at Media Giants Universal, Sony, and Turner Broadcasting, Libby founded executive coaching and consulting firm Libby Gill & Company in November of 2000. A sought-after international speaker, she guides established and emerging leaders to inspire purpose and ignite performance by building engaged cultures based on trust, respect, and hope. Author of four books, including the award-winning You Unstuck, Mastering the New Rules of Risk-Taking and Work in Life, which has been endorsed by business leaders, including Zappos.com CEO Tony Hsieh and Dr. Ken Blanchard. Her latest book, Capture the Mindshare and the Market Share Will Follow, The Art and Science of Building Brands, shows readers how to build brand loyalty through deep emotional connections. Wow, Libby, I was saying before we hit record that we had a chance to chat before and I was in awe of you after that conversation, but just reading your bio again, I'm like, wow, thank you so much for taking the time to come on and share yourself with us. Oh, Jody, you're making me feel like a rock star. My
1: pleasure.
0: <laughs> you are a rock star, but <laughs> and I know this is just like an overview of who you are in the world. So, if you could share with us more about you and your own humble beginnings, my beginnings actually
1: are pretty humble. I'll, I'll go way back. I um, grew up in a big family, very uh, well-to-do family, and then. Everything was lost. We were kind of one of those riches to rags kind of family through a series of of real tragedies. My parents were divorced. There was a history of alcoholism, mental illness, suicide, and a, talk about humility. I mean, I, I learned to raise myself from a pretty young age, and it, it, it wasn't easy, and I really do identify with people who, whatever you call it, pulling yourself up by your bootstraps or Whatever that is uh, that makes you become resilient and self-reliant, and uh, and that's what I had to do. You learn to be resourceful and you learn to be hopeful. It's it's one of those you know like the sign what what doesn't kill you makes
0: you stronger, and I actually believe in that. Mm-hmm. I totally believe in that too. And, you know, I'm so grateful to have you on sharing your story and what you have going on right now. And where I like to start everybody is leveling the playing field. Cause, you know, no matter where we are in life, it doesn't matter our backgrounds or where we're going, something we can all relate to is those playing small moments, those moments where, you know, it can be brief or it can last for a while where we just aren't present to how capable we are and how strong we are. And because of that, we hold ourselves back. So Libby, if you could start us off with a time in your life when you were playing small and the lessons you've learned from it. Yeah, I think
1: based directly on the fact that I was raised in a a household of chaos, and I mean, I went to six different high schools, I lived in probably 11 different homes as a child, I mean, there was a lot of, of upset and tumult. And what that did to me is I really learned, I was a smart kid, I was good in school, but I learned to kind of keep my mouth shut and work hard and stay out of the limelight. And and I'm not sure that was my natural inclination. So when I, I really wanted to be an actress, I have a degree in in theater and, um, and I um, really wanted to be in entertainment. I mean, that's what I really wanted to do. I studied it. I worked hard at it. And I just couldn't figure out how to get going. I just couldn't figure out what it would take. And I got a job working behind the scenes and I just kept my head down and worked. And I got a job as a publicist and it was a good job. I mean, there are a lot of people that aspire to that and I I don't take exception to that. But for me, it was kind of a way to hide out. Mm. I didn't I, I put words in other people's mouths. I wrote speeches for people. I helped make them famous. I built their profiles and It was it was in some ways it was sort of fear based. It was sort of a I'll work really hard and keep my mouth shut and see what happens instead of getting out in front and taking charge.
0: Mhm. And I just had Carol Cox on a week ago. Um and she mentioned how, you know, that that was kind of her story too and I know I've done it as well where we hide out by playing support, right? We're close mm-hmm. we're close to where we want to be and we can watch somebody else play the role that we want to play, but we're so fearful that instead we play support.
1: Oh, when you say play the role you want to play, you just reminded me, Jody, I'd completely forgotten when I first moved to Hollywood after college. I got a job working in a talent agency. I was literally <laughs> stuffing the photos for the actors and actresses into the envelopes to send out to the casting agents, dying because I wanted to be one of those people who's. Photo and background was getting sent out instead of being the one, you know, working in the office as as an admin.
0: Oh, my gosh. That must have been
1: so painful. (laughs) It was pretty painful. It was, you know, I'm over it now. Thank God. But at the time, it was like... Wow. I, you know, I'm just one more of those people who wants to be an actor. And it seemed like such a joke and mm-hmm. so silly. It's funny now because I do so much speaking live from the platform and I have spoken to groups as big as 6,000. It's come in very handy to have a background in theater, but at the time it felt so remote and so impossible
0: right I can imagine that too and what have you learned from that experience Libby I know you don't live that way any longer so what what were the lessons you took away from that
1: Well, there was truly this moment where I had worked my way up the ladder. I became a very, you know, fear can make you a very good employee. (laughs) I worked really hard. I raised my hand. I did work my way up the ladder very quickly. So in five years, I was a vice president at Sony after having been a temp. So, you know, I, I, I was on the fast track, also humbling because there were lots of people I was suddenly in charge of who had far more experience than I did. And that sort of makes you ramp up your courage. But at a point where, I thought, gee, you know, what am I going to do next? And I was offered a bigger job. By then I was senior vice president at Universal. And I was offered this bigger job. And I thought, oh, I just don't know if I want to do this anymore. But I, I went along with the program and I had my headshot taken, which is what they do when they're going to make an announcement to the trade papers, which for us, were like Daily Variety and Hollywood Reporter. And that photo of me Ended up on my desk mistakenly, and I just sort of innocently pulled this photo out of the photo sleeve, you know, and there was this eight by 10 black and white headshot of me back from the photographer with all the marks for the retoucher. And so everything on my face was circled with his notes in this big red grease pencil, like get rid of the, the bags under the eyes and whiten the red eyes and fix the gray hair. And and it was just all of these marks. And I looked at that picture and thought, oh, my gosh, this is just one really stressed out, really frumpy, really unhappy person. And I was literally face to face looking at myself thinking, I just can't keep doing this. I'm not happy. And it was that photo that was such a wake up call to me that just said, get out there, do something new. And i had been offered this big job and I and they flew me to New York and I turned it down. And then it was kind of like, well, where do I go now? I, I had sort of a plan, but I didn't know what was going to happen next. And I just, it was like I turned that corner. And there. I always think of that Zen proverb, proverb leap in the net will appear. And I thought, I am in a free fall from a 60-story building. And I'm just praying there's a net down there. Um, and there was. And I did figure it out. And that's, if there's any lesson, it's, yeah, if you raise your hand and say, I can do this, you'll find a way of figuring it out or finding people that can show you how to figure it out. And that's what I did. And that's when I decided I'm going to start this coaching business. And this past November, it was um, 16 years I've been in business. I think I've, I've passed the, gee, you're not cut out for this mark, you know, about a decade ago. Oh
0: my goodness. And so that was the wake up call that you had that led to your success in starting your coaching business. Yes.
1: And it, it wasn't overnight. It took me a while to to work my way into that and figure out what would fit, what would work, what would stick and where I could give the greatest value. But that was definitely the beginning of get out there. Yeah. Do it.
0: And, you know, I totally get that, Libby, because sometimes it doesn't look like, you know, the clouds part, the sun appears and it all becomes clear. Sometimes the, the signal that you get is you can't stay here anymore.
1: Yeah, it's like, how miserable are you? I think being comfortable, or as some people will, clients will say to me, well, I guess I'm okay. Well, okay, I guess I'm okay. Is that all you want? And it's, it's hard. And I've heard so many women, I'm so far past this now, but I've heard so many women say, uh, and myself included. Oh, do I really deserve more? Do I really need more? Do I really why do you know and, and and we hear whatever that voice is in our head? And for me it was, you're getting a little big for your britches, aren't you, Missy? That was that was the voice in my head. And I actually wrote and my uh, one of my first books was called Traveling Hopefully about how you get past all that baggage that you've come to believe. And sometimes it's true. Sometimes you're not ready or you're not rich enough or you're not young enough or you're not smart enough. But there aren't or I don't know if anybody's not smart enough. There are not a lot of things that we can't do. I mean, there are some I'm not going to. I it's unlikely I could become a, a brain surgeon at the stage of life. I, I don't want to, but you know, I can't go be a professional ballerina at my stage of life. And you know, there are a lot of people that can't become professional athletes. That's just the reality of the situation. But short of some of those truly aspirational, unlikely I'll be an astronaut now. Mm-hmm. Um, but what is it that you can do that you really want to do that you're not allowing yourself to do? Yeah. And if you just say, hey, I can play a just a little bigger or a lot bigger game and without stopping yourself. There's just an amazing amount of things and lots of role models out there. I mean, there. I've, I found a story about a woman who went to medical school in her 60s. And I think she was the oldest, um, a PhD, not PhD, physician she, when she got her MD. And I was like, well, somebody's got to do it. And she
0: did. Right. I love that. And, you know, Libby, I, I have never come across a person who, you know, in the conversation of like them saying, well, I can't do this anymore. I can't do that anymore. And I asked them, well, do you really want that? Is, that? is that something you aspire to? It's always no. That's not right. what they want. The things that they really want they can have, they can go after. You know, I I love how you say like, well, don't waste time on things you don't want and that aren't going to happen. Like focus on the things that you do want because the chances are you can make it happen. If a 60 year old woman can go back to school (laughs) and get her PhD in the medical field, like with a little bit of work and elbow grease, you can make what you want to happen, happen
1: yeah and I just read a story in the in the it was either the l a or New York Times yesterday about a ninety two year old woman that teaches yoga and is a ballroom dance master with her twenty four year old partner It's like I'm just thinking, would I still like to dance professionally? I don't know professionally, but yeah, ballroom dance absolutely, and I saw this woman win in all these competitions, and I just loved it so There are a lot of – yeah, so if there's something you really want to do, but it's it's kind of too late or it didn't happen, I didn't become – I didn't get Julia Roberts' career. So mourn the dream and move on. You can certainly acknowledge – you know, that didn't quite turn out the way I wanted it to. And you know, I'm divorced. I didn't plan to get married so I could be divorced, but it happened. So you say, gee, okay, that was tough. That was a blow. And then you pick yourself up and you move on. There's a lot of life left for most of us.
0: Mm-hmm. Amen. <laughs> Libby. What I always want everyone to get is there is no one way to lead. I mean, you, you, you've you come from a corporate background. You, you've experienced a variety of leaders. And now you're actually working closely with uh, a diversified field of leaders. And Mm -hmm. so you totally get that there isn't one leadership style fits all. You really have to lean into your own strengths, your own experiences, and what makes you unique as a leader. So Libby, how would you describe your leadership style?
1: It's interesting. I, I really did work my way up the ladder and learned and developed a style as I went. And it really wasn't until I left and started coaching people that I thought about defining it. But for me, it's it's the blend of candor. I'm not one, I don't suffer fools. I don't pull my punches. I don't pussyfoot around problems. And most people don't like to confront people. They don't like those tough discussions. I don't like it any more than anybody else. But being candid and straightforward and setting a really high bar, those were those were real hallmarks of me in my corporate days and now as well. But it was always blended with kindness. So that's that was sort of my mantra for leadership was blend candor and kindness. So you're not doing anybody a favor if you're not being honest and straightforward, even to the point of you if you have to fire them because they're not a fit for that position. That still deserves a level of candor and explanation but also some kindness. It's not easy for the person who's on the receiving end of that. So I think I see a lot of leaders who fall in th- into the, now that I work within this is a, a vast oversimplification, but basically there are people who are too direct, are too harsh, are too confrontational. They're the people that none of us wanna work for and or with, and they usually got into those positions because their technical skills, what they do, they're really good at. And they need to soften those edges and be, better human beings and then there are people who are great human beings but they undersell their power and their strength or in their leadership positions and somewhere in the middle is that sweet spot where you are powerful, where you're strong, where you're straightforward but you're also a human being with a great deal of compassion and care about other people and the biggest thing for me is letting people be who they are. I had to show up in the corporate world. I felt like every morning I was putting on my suit of armor to go to work and I'll tell you, it's exhausting. And had the entertainment field said, hey, you're a high potential, which of course I'd never heard of back then or employee engagement or any of those things. I'm not quite sure they've got them today, except you know they're a little bit more enlightened in that field and very enlightened in lots of other fields where they say, hey, Jody, you're a superstar. We want you to do this for a couple of years, and then we're going to retrain you and move you over here because we want you to stay with us for your entire career. We want you to learn everything you possibly can, whether that's in your own small business or in the corporate world. That, to me, is a real leadership skill where you take people by the hand and say, Be stronger, be better, be smarter. I know you can do it. And here's what I've seen you do well. Develop that style because there are all kinds of leaders. Like you said, there are people that are just the greatest with numbers and and calculations and, and they lean into the metrics. There are other people who... Just by sheer force of their personality, they get people who want to jump on board and follow them. So you've got to figure out, I, I liken it, this will date me, but I liken it to a little bit the like, remember American Idol, when it wasn't like you're a country star, go sing punk. Let's see how you do. No, it's be the best country star you can be or the best. Not that you shouldn't push the edges and try new things, but somewhere in there is this core of, of who you are authentically. Be the best of that. And there really aren't two leaders or one style, Mm -hmm. but you've got to figure out what am I best at, including how do I shore up my deficits, whether that's by hiring people that, that really speak to that and, and can
0: compliment me, or I can learn that I can be better at that with a little awareness and
1: recognition.
0: And Libby, what's one thing that you're working on right now that you're really excited about and want to share with us? Well, I'm excited about I
1: I don't claim to be a real digital expert or an, an online expert, except I've done so much in that world of branding and used it as a tool. But I have built a leadership course, and it's really focused on accelerating your career. And that I'm excited about because it's funny. Most people keep raising prices this one, I decided I'm going to figure out how to lower this price and make it as available to as many people as I possibly can. And that got me really excited. So I built a course that's audio, video and downloadable because I believe you know there are different kind of learners, just like there are different kinds of leaders. There are people who, who need to see something, who need to hear something, who need the combination, who need the one-on-one interaction. And I built this course that someone can consume. You go do it all on your own. It, it's not going to get it. It's cheaper than one private session with me. Go take the course. Or it can be, let's bring a group of, let's bring your team of 10 or 12 or 20 people together and customize it for them. So I'm excited about the possibilities of having this core career acceleration and leadership tool and being able to customize it in all sorts of ways that to me takes the best of online learning and one-on-one coaching and accountability to kind of a new level so that's got me pretty psyched
0: yeah that is exciting that it, it is multimedia so whatever someone's learning style is they can engage with the content and also putting it at a price point where people can can get it, you know, and Mm -hmm. you encounter like so many businesses and so many people out there who who are desperately seeking help in their careers and in their businesses, but they can't afford that one-to-one private interaction. So it's nice to hear when there are group programs out there or DIY programs that can be downloaded so that they can at least, you know, start interacting with the material. And if at some point later they decide like, okay, maybe I want to buy a private session with Libby, they can do that. And they'll know exactly what they want to be coached on.
1: That's exactly right. It was killing me with people that would say, oh, I really need this, but I just can't do it. I can't afford it. I can't, or even I don't have the time for it. Yeah. And so it was really like, how do you get the biggest bang for your buck? Not just the money spent, but the time invested, because that's just as critical. That's all we really got Mm -hmm. is the time that we spend. So, but it's just like you, you said, Jody. it's, it's, it's how you want to engage and learn. And my my goal was to like, no excuses. You've got every possible way to engage right here. Mm -hmm. So just take your game up a notch. It's not like, I'm a coordinator. I've been on the job for two years, and now I want to be a vice president next year. Forget that. I will disabuse anybody with those kinds of, you know, pie-in-the-sky kind of things. Like, maybe you'll make it in a year. Maybe you'll make it in five years. But move incrementally. That's all we can do is just... Put your foot on the path and take a step and another step and keep going. And that's really, you know, I tell my kids who have just are so annoyed of hearing this, but that's the secret of life: Mm -hmm. is you have that vision and you keep moving towards it. And when life, you know, knocks you back, as it will, we've all had either personal or professional setbacks or both. That you say, okay, whoo, that was a tough one. I'm going to pick myself up now and get back on the path. Yeah. And it's the people that get back on it. Look, you know, it's like. All right. I fell off my diet and my exercise program. Am I going to, is that an excuse? I'm going to be off for the next year or decade. No, I'll be off for the next day. Did
0: that now I'm back on tomorrow. And it's, it's really that on the flip side of things, you know, you talk about obstacles that are coming at you. So currently what is the biggest leadership or business challenge that you're faced with right now? Well, you know, it's like a lot of other
1: people and certainly entrepreneurs. You create something and then it's and I created it based on talking to my clients, people in my world. What do you need? What do you want? How would it work best for you? So now I built it. I built that content and now I've got to market it. And there's so many of us that think, oh, I can't sell. I can't market. You know what? If you have something you're passionate about and you believe in the value, you can market it. Doesn't mean there's not a learning curve there. And I've not marketed a course like this. So I've got to say, all right, I believe in it. I built it based on good data. You know, I did my due diligence. I talked to a lot of people, built it in a way that I can stand by. I think it's great value and really consumable and and really nice looking. You know, it's really it. I wanted it to be sort of special and high end and creative. And now. I got to get out there and tell people about it. So it's kind of shouting it from the rooftops. So that's
0: my next challenge. I can relate to that because I, you know, I definitely believe in the value of what I have to offer, but sometimes I get shy about it. Right. And as women, you know, like if you start bragging and being like, you need this, that sort of thing, it makes you feel all weird inside. Let's let's be honest. But I think what helps me get over that hump is, you know. I think about the women who've already engaged with what I have to offer and the feedback they've given me and how it's helping them. And then I think about the women who haven't, you know, engaged with the material or with my services who I know I can help and it'll make a difference for. And when I think about them and that, okay, I'm putting myself out there, I'm making myself vulnerable and exposing myself for them so that they can get access to this. That
1: is absolutely right. And I often will tell people, particular people that are going after a job or investment, read your own bio, read your LinkedIn page. Remember all the great things that you've done. Or like you said, go back to those people that you've helped, whether it's just remembering the conversation or the written testimonials or whatever you've gotten. That's a confirmation of this is great stuff, and it really helped me. And that kind of gets you past that hump. It's like, oh, yeah, I do have something of value to offer. <laughs> like really valuable. Ourselves- <laughs> yeah, yeah, we we take what we do for granted right. so much. I see this. When I go out and speak, I will always I get people around to – you know, I'll ask them at the beginning, what's your what do you think is important in a good leader? And they they come up with sort of generic but important things, you know, integrity, communication, vision. And then later on, after I've you know jabbered for a while and told them some of my secret sauce tools and a little bit about myself and and don't be afraid to get out there, I'll say, hey, you know what? Talk to that person next to you. I want you to share your leadership superpower, that thing you're already great at. You don't have to aspire to it. You forget you're really good at it because you're so good at it. It comes naturally. But tell this other person. And they then I'll have them share, and they come back with things that are so specific and so funny and so authentic, stuff you can't make up. You know, I'm a business startup or rocket ship or you know, whatever they say, that's so much more specific to who they are and what they have than, you know, we must have vision, we must have integrity. Well, duh, we all know that. But when you say I'm a launch pad starter, or you know, whatever it is that they say in the in their head and in the privacy of, and in my and I share what I think of in, in the my sort of dark night of the soul when I kind of felt like I hit bottom I got that hey girl you've got you've got hope and tools you give people confidence you give them hope you give them a belief that they are capable of maybe not anything but almost anything and then you give them the strategies and tools to get there and I thought oh that's what I privately say to myself and then I just somewhere along the way said that to somebody and they said what say that again Hope and tools. That's the weirdest combination of words I've ever heard. And I thought, well, good. Bingo. So now that's what I talk about. So you drill down into what you secretly know is in in your own sort of private mythology. What you really know is your secret sauce, what you can do better than anybody else. It's what makes you great. And as one of my friends says, your brand is is the coolest thing about you. And it's like, oh, that's easy. So when you think of it that way, it becomes a little easier. That's what you got to share.
0: And now, Libby, if you could give us a quick overview of the people you have around you who support you to do what you do. I think sometimes there's this myth that, you know, these women that are making it are doing it on their own. And you and I both know that's not true. It takes it takes a village to have a successful business. So if you could give us a quick overview of who supports you in your business. Absolutely. The
1: first thing I didn't even know, as my kids say, that this was a thing, that there was such a thing as an accountability partner when I started my business. But I had a friend who was also going into a new area, and we did a call every morning at eight o'clock for about, I don't know, about a year and a half, kind of. What's what's top line today? What's important? What are you scared of? What are your challenges? What do you have to accomplish? How can I help you? And that became so meaningful to me. I later discovered, hey, people do this. Coaches call this accountability partners. I have done that for 16 years now, uh, and I'm prob- I'm on just my third partner. So that's you know I've had a long run of now it's just once a week. But I have a weekly check in and say what are you doing? And this uh, the person I do this with is in a completely different field, also an op- entrepreneur, but but repping products. So she's got a different world, but we are able to give input and feedback to one another. I have the world's greatest assistant. I call her our customer care specialist. She works she. She is my right hand. She's too young to know to remember Radar O'Reilly from uh, the show Mash, but he was the one that could read his boss's mind. It was like he's three steps ahead. That's my assistant. She manages me. I call her the boss. She tells me what I'm behind on, what I'm up to date on, what I need to do next, what I've forgotten, um, all those kinds of things. And then I have um, I have a video person on my staff who does video and content building, and she does a lot of the brand work, not just for me but for others. She's invaluable former BBC producer and came out came out of the publishing world Emma Um, and Rachel is my right hand. And then I've got an IT person and a web and graphic person. Those are contract folks, 1099s that aren't employees, but they are outside people, but they're my go-to folks. And so I've got about half a dozen, a staff of, and then I've got, you know, I've got a business, a financial person, I've got an attorney, I've got other people that I go to when I need them.
0: And they are critical to my business. I I couldn't get by without them. Mm And Libby, I'm going to do a quick leadership roundup. So in a sentence or two, tell us, what is one practice you have that helps to make you a better leader? I just
1: go back to my mantra, which is, a three-step process of clarify the vision, and I, I drill it down to a year. What do I? What do I want to do that I'm not doing now in a year? So it's a big stretch goal. Then how do I? How do I simplify the path to get there? What do I need to get out of the way? What do I need to bring in? And finally, execute the plan. So it's clarify the vision, simplify the pathway, and execute the plan.
0: Very simple. I love it. Yeah. And what is one book that you would recommend to a woman to help her develop her leadership? Well, because I'm writing a leadership book right
1: now, I'm just going to give myself a shameless plug, only in service of your women leaders who don't plug themselves often enough. But I will say my book, You Unstuck, uh, because I get regular phone calls from people. It just launched in South Korea. I just got a lovely email yesterday from somebody who said, Hey, in your chapter, you say that if something's not working, that you'll talk to the person who's reading your book. Will you talk to me? And I said, yeah, we set up a phone call. So You Unstuck is my book that has that whole uh, clarify, simplify, execute process and lots of things that get people out of their own heads and onto a pathway where they begin to say, wait a minute. I'm more competent than I thought. Hey, that breeds confidence. And it becomes this cycle of confidence, breeding competence, breeding confidence, breeding competence. And you just get better and better at what you do and more um, less judgmental and more just out in the world taking these big, bold risks.
0: Libby, what advice would you give your younger
1: self? Oh, man, I, I think I would have said there are people out there to help you, because as you said, Jody, we, we don't do this alone. I tried to sort of uh, muddle through a couple of years in business because I just didn't really know that there were people that were out there. And certainly in the corporate world, I just, you know, I just went my own way out of. Um, mostly out of that sense of vulnerability is I can't let people know what I don't know, but you become an entrepreneur and suddenly overnight, you better let people know what you don't know and find people to, to shore up those weaknesses. So it's, you know, go ask for help. There are more kind people in the world than you know. Mm -hmm. and I do that now in different ways I find them on LinkedIn or Facebook and I try to give that help and I love particularly working with young women and help girls and women really succeed at what they want to do
0: and share with us a success quote and why it has meaning for you
1: Um, I will share the quote that became the name of my book, Traveling Hopefully. And it's a Robert Louis Stevenson, the, the great author, adventure author, who said to travel, hopefully, is a better thing than to arrive. And now I'm all about arrival. I'm a completion junkie. I want to get to the end of the game and say I did it which just means you set the bar higher and you set another end game for yourself. And it is that process of continual evolution and self-growth and learning self-promotion. It's not a bad, that's not a bad thing. We do have to learn. And that mantra is, it's it's that the, we all know that it's the destination and not the journey. I, I think it's the destination and the journey. You wanna pick a path where you enjoy the learning and the growth but you're also very happy to set that. And this is what success looks like. And when I reach it, I'm going to set another bar for success. And that way you continue to grow and develop. But you don't ignore the wins that you've had—the small, the medium, the huge wins along the way—you want to pat yourself on the back. You want to do your shout out to your community or your family when you hit those small milestones. I always do. Yay! I booked a speaking engagement today. You know, I'll tell my boyfriend or my kids, and they say, "Yay, mom! Good for you!" <laughs> you know, that's it. I, I don't have to shout that to the world because you know it's not all about me. But to my world that 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 cares about that, I'm going to shout that out and a big. Win like hey! I just finished a new book that goes out to the world. That's not only shoo! I accomplished this, and guess what? You can do the same. I bought a book on Amazon on how to write a book, and I stuck to it and did it, and you can too. And just like you, Jody, I I shared kind of the good, the bad, and the ugly, and hope that most of the bad and the ugly is in the past. And now it's mostly good because I feel like I'm in the legacy phase. I'm in the give back phase, and that's why it's nice to be able to price something. At a reasonable price point that anybody can jump into or to take the time to make a call with a total stranger from South Korea who says, "Uh, my English isn't that good, but would you talk to me? I said, believe me, your English is far better than my Korean because that's non-existent. (laughs) So,
0: yes, let's set up a call and talk. Well, this is a great segue, Libby, because lastly, what is the best way for this community to connect with you? Well, they can always pick up the phone or go to LibbyGill.com,
1: and they'll find all my contact information, including my cell phone, on there. But a better way for them is to – I've got a couple of quizzes online, and they're also on my homepage on my website. But they can go right to – yourcareerquiz.com or just go to libbygill.com and take this little three-minute quiz that will do two things. It'll give them some immediate feedback about their career, what's working and what's not. It's a three-minute self-assessment. They'll get an excerpt. Depending on how they respond, they'll get something that I chose for that level of response, and they'll get into my my community, they can opt out immediately if that's all they want to do, which is fine, or they can stick around and see when am I doing a freebie course or a webinar or a call that they can jump onto so there are lots of different ways they can engage but I prefer they can just email me with a question Um, but it's really nice if they get into that community into my group and they see wow there's a lot of freebies there's a lot of good stuff here on my resources page Um, I recently started an ask the coach they can go to ask Libby at libbygill.com so I just gave you more ways than you even want (laughs) But I yes. want them to take selfishly to find something that's meaningful to them
0: yes. and engage that way. Yes, I know. Having lots of opportunities can be a pro or a con, but yes. <laughs> and and I know for my community, I know you guys are often on the run or in the car or something like when you're listening to these episodes. So, you know, you can find all the links and resources that Libby shared in this episode at womentakingthelead.com. I've jotted down a bunch of the places where she said you could connect with her. So I'll have that on the show notes page. And Libby, thank you so much for taking the time to inspire and enlighten us. We are all better for having met you.
1: Thank you, Jodi. And keep doing what you're doing for women. It is so important and so inspiring to share all these stories. So
0: thank you for letting me be here thank you for joining me on women taking the lead are you ready to take the lead in your own life but need some support head over to womentakingthelead.com forward slash contact to introduce yourself and to strengthen you on your leadership journey i'd like to send you off with a quote from marianne williamson our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure it is our light not our darkness that most frightens us